APU. American Public University is proud to present Online Teaching Lounge. This podcast is for educators, academics, and parents who know that online teaching can be challenging, but it can also be rewarding, engaging, and fun. Welcome to the Online Teaching Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Bethany Hansen, and I'll be your guide for online teaching tips, topics, and strategies. Walk with me into the Online Teaching Lounge. Welcome to the Online Teaching Lounge. This is Bethany Hansen, and I am so excited to be with you today. We have two special guests, Dr. Jan Spencer and Dr. Kate Zatz. We have just celebrated our 100th episode on the Online Teaching Lounge. So we're very excited that we've been running this podcast for almost two straight years, helping online educators and other professionals in online education understand students, meet their needs, and really get things going. So I'm going to pass it to you, Dr. Spencer. And Jan, can you just give us a little bit of an introduction to you and then go ahead and introduce our guest? Yes. Thank you so much, Bethany. It is a privilege to be here. And I serve as the department chair for educational leadership. That's in the K-12 arena. And then also have two programs in higher education, one in student affairs and the other one in higher education administration. And when I first began this role, I was in contact with meeting with Dr. Kate Zatz and found out that she has degrees in these areas. And I thought that would be perfect to ask her to come on and interview her about higher education and her understanding and her wisdom in terms of student affairs and higher education administration. Since she's now the president of our university, what a privilege it is that she immediately said, yes, I would love to do it. And so I want to just ask her to introduce herself. And so glad to have you here, Dr. Zetz. Thank you so much for inviting me, Dr. Spencer. Is it okay if I call you Jan? You can call me Kate. Call me Jan. I'll call you Kate. Great. It's a deal. I've been president of American Public University since November 4th of 2021. I'm currently the acting president, but prior to that, I served on the board for the last 17 years. And when I came onto the board of APUS, I was a dean of students at the College of Aeronautics at LaGuardia Airport. And that was right after I had finished my doctorate at Columbia University. I hold a EDD in higher education administration, a master's degree in education administration, and a master's in student personnel administration from Teachers College. Teachers College was the first institution to actually have a degree in student personnel administration. Started by Sarah Sturdivant in 1921, it was out of the need for integrating what happens inside a classroom with what happened outside of the classroom and the need for developing a cadre of people who could help run institutions and focus on student personnel in areas of student activities, dean's offices, international students, career services, student activities, the whole plethora of what happens in a higher education institution. So. I'm one of those lucky people who figured out very young in life what I wanted to do, which was basically go to college, figure out how to be paid to be there, and never have to leave. 
Kate, you are a treasure to all of us here, and you're delightful to speak with. One of the things that I added to our questions from our original consideration of this was getting your perspective, since you have a longevity of experience with the university, now you're the president. That's a different place of observation of what's going on. What do you see differently now that you're the president? I'm having the time of my life. I always thought when Wally Boston was doing this, it had to be the best job on the planet, and apparently I was right. It is an amazing experience being the president. We have just so many things in the hopper about moving the institution forward. The big difference, I think, between being the board chair of the last 17 years, I've spent at least 12 years being the chair of the Board of American Public University sitting with my colleagues as a, a board member, you think you know what's going on on the inside. You think that you've done your homework to advise the management and the administration about the best practices and the best things to do. But being on the inside, it's really interesting when it comes to actually deploying or implementing or figuring out how to do that vision that you've heard. And the disjointed parts of it, but also the seamless points of it. And the unifying fact is how mission-driven American Public University has been ever since I came on the board in 2004, serving those who serve and how we go about every day trying to improve how we do that, that no matter where you sit, whether or not it's the board or in the president's chair, how we really try to focus on the student experience and making it better all the time and how we go about trying to make it a better institution, serving more students, serving students better, making education affordable, keeping it affordable, and all the time working on the quality of what we're providing, that we're pretty much in sync. The big difference is, for me, between being on the board and being the president are that I have made a commitment to myself to be a president in residence. It may sound really old school and considering that the pandemic's going on, but I'm actually sitting in 111 West Congress Street here in Charlestown, West Virginia, where it has been the hub of who we are and what we do for the last 20 some years. We had sort of moved out of here for a while, but we're back in the building and it's really a hub of activity right now. Dr. Smith is downstairs, one flight away from me. Dr. Cottom is in this building. Accreditation is in this building. And the idea that we're here and we're able to just walk up and down the stairs to talk to each other about what we're focusing on and how we're gonna serve students, it's really a pretty amazing place. When I got the gist some time ago that you spend a lot of time there in your office, I was very impressed by that. Shows a depth of commitment, if you don't mind me saying that. I like that. With regard to student affairs in higher education and higher education administration, during your tenure with this university, you have seen an enormous level of changes going on in the online space, particularly. It's during these last 17 years of your involvement that the university's grown very large and very influential in higher education. This is a changing world. Can you enlighten us a bit about what we should be aware of in the changes that are going on in this space? 
When I became board chair in 2004, we had 7,000 students. And at that point, we were still mailing out books every month. And here we are, and we're close to 100,000 students. And boy, have things changed. The one constant is change. I can only reflect on how many different iterations of what we do we've gone through. In terms of course development, for example, it's a good thing that we're on a three-year cycle for updating all our courses because with technology changing as fast as it does, sometimes when you take a course and look at it once, it could be three years before you update it. Things have really changed by then. So what has changed? Years ago, back in 2004, when we introduced the Partnership at a Distance pad, there were some assumptions that we made about students and their ability to be self-sufficient and navigate the online universe on their own with very little support. And perhaps that was true for some students, but it wasn't too long after that we started in with realizing that there was a space related to student affairs where career development and advising support and the ability to talk to people who were in the field that a student was studying. So very early on, by 2007, we had started the process of actually chartering student groups here at APU, which is, at that time, it was really pretty cutting edge. That coupled with somewhere around 2007, 2008, 2009, we started applying for and earning GOMI awards for excellence in online education, which meant that for us, our learning outcomes of how we were able to verify what we were teaching was what people were learning and then taking the information on how to improve courses and reflecting that into the curriculum and improving. So we went through a whole series of that while at the same time working toward our initial accreditation with the Higher Learning Commission. It was pretty monumental when we hit that milestone. And then as time has gone on, there is no doubt about it that we continue to be a leader in student learning outcomes, program outcomes. One of the things that is just truly amazing to me is how library services and information has changed to the point that obviously we no longer send books out to people. What we do is that we subscribe and make available some of the best online reference platforms there are, period, point blank. The fact that regardless of where you are in any one of the 24 time zones, that 24 hours a day you can do things like log into the library and get help with something that you're studying. So the changes have been ever increasing. And for the future, what I see happening is as we were a pioneer in online learning, oftentimes when we would put up a system, it would be not necessarily a smooth transition to the next part. Like for example, if you applied, how your application got transitioned to financial aid or how we took information about you and your interests and lined you up with the right curriculum. Some of these processes would take longer than we would wish. So automation has been one of the hallmarks of one of those things that we continue to work on, where we've been able to automate something, we've pretty much done it. And where I see still some benefits for students in the future are being able to automate 
things that are currently manually done on their behalf, where some of those big questions about when one is applying to come to APU about if you decide you want to take a program or you want to study something, you still have to figure out how you're going to pay for it and how many credits you're going to be able to transfer here. So some of these things, the accuracy of how that happens, but also the speed by which we're able to give a student the answer of how many credits we're going to take and how much it's going to cost and how much aid they're going to get are still critical issues that we can always continuously improve upon. And that's one of the really cool things about this place is that we learn from doing and then we take the information and we turn around and improve the processes. And it's one of the things that I'm really very proud of that we do that because uh, we're always striving to be better. It's great, Kate. Thank you so much for that. As you're speaking and uh, sharing about some of the changes that are happening, one word that came to me is the word challenge. Because I am overseeing the higher education administration program and student affairs, there are some left curves that may be up ahead for somebody who's going to be entering that field. What are some of the challenges that we may encounter in working in preparing students for a degree in higher education that we may not be aware of even yet in terms of it being right in front of us. Help me understand some of the challenges that you now see as a president. So student affairs, I think, has always been a passion and it is a area that causes people to think holistically about students. And I think one of the challenges for people going into this field is as COVID has certainly impacted us. We've been teaching online. We've been a remote institution for the last 30 years. What has not caught up is how we educate people to be in student services and student affairs. In some ways, it's been a field without an epistemology. The closest you can find perhaps is chickering or um, some of the work of Knefflecamp and those issues of student development theory and how they apply in an online environment, they're not always as easy to see. And what happens is I think that one of the things that we've lost is our connection to students. We have to really work at it. And what I see as a challenge is people who go into the field not realizing that a lot of the work that they're gonna end up doing is online. It's going to be remote. It's going to be individualized. And it may not be on a traditional campus. And what I'm really seeing is traditional campuses, nonprofits who have decided to go online, who don't have the staff support infrastructure to do a really good job teaching online. What they're trying to do is they try to poach people who know what they're doing. So here at APUS, one of my challenges has been working on retaining our very creative, dedicated staff and student advisement, for example, financial aid admissions, making sure that we are at least where other institutions are in the market in terms of pay. But we have a different quality of employee because many of them not only understand the theory and the practice, but have taken the time to learn how to do that in an online environment, which is not an easy thing to do. So 
learning how to navigate online for the current student affairs professional or the student in student affairs, coupled with the challenges of doing this online, I think are part of what faces us. We'll be right back after this brief message. At American Public University, we believe that everyone should have access to a great education. It's not a privilege reserved for the few. And we believe higher education must come with lower tuition. Because when more doors open, more lives change. American Public University. Within reach, without limits. Online classes start every month. Learn more at AmericanPublicU.com. And we're back with Dr. Kate Satz and Dr. Jan Spencer. I have, in our programs, sought to establish things like a student union where students would come together every month. We encourage mentorship. It's hard, though, to get students to buy into that. Even though our professors are willing, sometimes it's difficult for the student who has signed up to have a remote education because they basically don't want to deal with people so much. Can you help me with that? Some of the fun that I've been having is I've showed up at the orientation for doctoral students But we have some really active groups on different platforms like Quill and Scroll, Saber and Scroll, that I've been invited to. There are so many different student groups that are meeting. And I don't know how to get this across to students that are studying student affairs, but how you go about networking with each other. There's some positions I'm looking for to fill here at APU, and I've been able to use my network to go, hey, we're hiring here. This is what I'm looking for. Is there anybody you can nominate? And the thing is, is that's done because I've got a very large network of people who have worked in student affairs. And that, along with doing things like getting involved in the National Association for Student Personnel Administrators, NASPA, where there's different groups within NASPA that focus on different topic areas and different service areas within the field, It's really worth somebody's while if they're new to the field or are looking to be promoted. There's only so many years you want to spend at an entry-level position, but there are opportunities to move your career forward by getting involved with the professional organizations that are out there that are specifically related to student affairs administration. And it's really worth one's while. For years, I was a vice president for student affairs and would attend NASPA as a chief student affairs officer and as a senior student affairs officer. And those networks are invaluable to me now. Thank you so very much. I'm going to throw this back over to Bethany for some follow-up questions and before we move ahead. Thank you, Jan. Kate, I really appreciate all of the expertise you've been sharing and especially some background about how the university has developed over time and some of the things that have changed and some of the things that may need to still change in the field of student affairs. I'm thinking myself a little bit about the part-time faculty who teach with us. I've just heard a lot from them that they learned how to teach online by teaching at APU. And when the pandemic came along and they needed to, at their full-time jobs, help others, they had the skills. They had some things they could share. And we have listeners all over the world that listen to this podcast. Many of them are listening to it to kind of get some of those ideas. If you had some suggestions for things that online professionals, whether they're the faculty members or student affairs professionals, could do 
to just step it up and really provide good quality online help to those that they teach and work with. What would you recommend as some real tips? When one is looking at teaching part-time online, before you sign off on that contract, there's a couple things that you're going to want to look at. Like, for example, who owns your content? Pretty simple. How much of your course do you personally need to put together? Is there a requirement that you know how to write HTML? Or is that something that the institution that's hiring you is going to do? Because these days, when a course goes live online, there's some expectations that are built into how that course is going to operate. Is it compliant with ADA? Does it meet the student learning outcomes for a particular course program? And how does it fit into the overall curriculum for a degree? So if somebody is just going to pass off a fully developed course to you, before you sign off on it, make sure that those bells and whistles are already in place so that you're not doing it yourself. Take a look at what you're getting in terms of remuneration or what you're contributing that is original to that. Also, the whole phenomenon of learning about open resources that can be used in coursework. To what extent do you need to become an expert on what's out there that you can put into your course as you're doing that? One would hope that there is support for looking at those kinds of things. So it's one thing to get your course up and running, but you know when you get to the end of the first week and you certainly have students that have not logged in or you see that people are struggling, those kinds of interventions that you can do as a faculty member by reaching out even before you get there, some of the best practices go like this. We're going to get to the point at APU where a student can log into a course before the course starts. I think it's really important and it's one of the better practices to be able to log in and see what is on that syllabi, what the due dates are, what the breadth and depth of the expectations are for a student. Later into 2022, I'm really hoping that that goes live because what I found is that if a student is able to plan their life around due dates and understands what the expectations are for them in that particular course, they're more likely to enroll and stay enrolled because what happens is, is that it's not a Sunday when they're figuring out what it is that they're going to have to do. So let's say you're a faculty member and your course before it goes live, a student looks at it. Well, I would hope that a faculty member does some outreach, acknowledges the students in their class and does things like sends an email out to the class or figures out different ways to interact with them before the class even starts. And then after the class starts, are those students participating in the way that you would want them to? Those kinds of things that help push people along and keep them engaged go directly to retention and persistence and what students end up doing. And it's really important that that gets done. So I know that for American Public University, there are nearly 2,000 people who teach for us part-time are folks that are expert in their field, they're practitioners, and they're some of the most interesting people there are because we could never replicate that kind of knowledge and direct application of what they're doing out in the field if we tried to get them all to come to Charlestown. But what we can do is 
value what they're doing for our students all over the world because we have faculty members and students in all 24 time zones, and it's really pretty cool. Agree. I agree completely. And I appreciated you mentioning some of those strategies that really help engage students, like sending the message before the class begins. We have an episode about welcome messages that I just want to refer our listeners to in case someone wants a few tips about how to do that, what that could look like. And in the transcript from this podcast, there will be a link that listeners can click on just to check out that episode. I love also the variety of faculty that you just mentioned. We do have a lot of experts in many fields that you wouldn't find anywhere else. Thanks, Kate. I'm going to pass it back to you, Jan, and any other questions you have. Thank you, Bethany. And two questions I was going to ask you next. You've really already referred to, and that's the importance of retention, keeping students on track, innovations to assist the university to help students get an edge. And I think that the whole idea of classroom access is a part of that. My other question really has to do with the value of an education that focuses on higher education administration. You're an expert in that. How can I encourage our students to have a high value of expectation about what it can create for them? We are in an online environment. I want to presume that online education is proliferating in the world. What's the value we can give to higher education leadership in today's marketplace? That's a really good question. I think the sky is the limit for people who are seeking to have a career in higher education right now. And the reason why is because everything is up in the air. We're a really solid institution. We know what we're doing. But I have been doing consulting work off and on, and where small institutions that are tuition-driven are really struggling and will continue to struggle because they can't afford the infrastructure to go online, and students aren't necessarily gravitating toward that kind of an education. What I see is almost unlimited opportunity in the field of higher ed if you figure out things like the value of continuous improvement, organizational behavior, doing things like learning how to do coaching. And if you keep current in practice, one's career could go pretty doggone far. That is great. <laughs> One last question I have for you, Kate, and it's really off the script here of the things I wanted to ask you, but it has everything to do with what we as a world and a nation have gone through in the last couple of years. And as a university, we haven't had public graduations for twice we've had to miss. Now, this coming summer, we plan to have a public graduation. You'll be the president. What are you thinking about as you look forward to that time when we're all going to come together for the first time? Many of us who work like me, who work remotely, the first time in nearly three years we've been together. What are, what's your level of expectation for that? What's going to be happening in you as we build up to that time. There is no doubt about it in my life. The uh, commencement day at APU is my favorite day of the year. I've only missed, I think, one since 2004. So frankly, I've been working on the strength in my right hand so that I can shake hands. <laughs> and I'd like to be funny and say I've already started signing off on diplomas because there's over 30,000 of them. 
I am so looking forward to seeing people in person. I can't tell you. There is a list of people that I need to get some hugs from and a list of people I need to give hugs to. They're people who have been working so hard here at APU. Halfway through this last year, we did a major switch around about fixing some things that were going on with enrollment and admissions and People work double time to do a rollout of a new customer relation management system. And people here at APU have been working so hard that coming together and celebrating at the National Harbor, I am so looking forward to it. I can't tell you. I hope you're there. I plan to be there. Katie, it is a delight to have you as our guest. Before we conclude this session, is there anything else you can give us in terms of insights or just what you're feeling about or things that you know we need to be thinking about as your team. We need to keep up the good work that we're doing. We really do. And we need to make sure that people have the support that they need to work with their students and get done what they need to get done. I'm just really honored and grateful to be here. And like I said, being the president of American Public University is the best job on the planet. It just is. And we just need to keep on serving those who serve the best we can. Thank you, Dr. Zatz. Bethany? I echo that. Thank you, Dr. Zatz, for being here. And for our listeners today, we've been privileged to hear from Dr. Kate Zatz, current president at American Public University, and Dr. Jan Spencer, a department chair in the School of Arts, Education, and Humanities. Thank you both for being here. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. We wish you all the best in your online teaching this coming week. This is Dr. Bethany Hansen, your host for the Online Teaching Lounge podcast. To share comments and requests for future episodes, please visit bethanyhansen.com forward slash request. Best wishes this coming week in your online teaching journey. For more information about our university, visit us at study at APU.com. APU. American Public University.